And welcome once again to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Good to be back with you. A couple of weeks off there with Thanksgiving and a little bit of time off. Uh, glad that I was able to replay the episodes that I recorded back in June with Dan Grover. Some great information about raising some money smart kids and how to keep them enabling people that you want to give money to, but you want to make sure your giving doesn't make it actually worse than it was if you had not given to them at all. So that's the last couple of weeks. If you want to listen to those and any other topics that uh, about money that you want to learn more about, you go to our uh, new designer website, TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You can listen to you know, other shows as uh, listen to them at podcasts and you list by iTunes and all, all different kind of ways you can get those programs and you can search by topic so that you can pick the ones that you just want to listen to that you want to learn something more about. If you have a question for me sometime and you want to get a an objective, unbiased answer, somebody that's not trying to sell you something just like we do on Talking Money, you send that email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. A lot of uh, things happening. Uh, Thanksgiving we just passed, and Christmas is coming up, and uh, it's a time of year when typically things are a little more joyful, or at least should be. We're trying to remember the things that we have so much to be thankful for in this free country and the freedom that we have to worship God and do, to do all the other things that we do. And sometimes we feel like that is being challenged and threatened, um, but it's our job to get out there and vote. One thing nice about the way the United States political system is set up, that if we don't like what's going on in two years, we vote again for different House members across the country, and in four years, we can change it again if we need to and reverse some things that are going on. And we've done that several times, many, many times, really, over the years. But this past week, I was just... A little more burdened than the normal. Uh, and actually, thinking about it during the middle of the night when I woke up one time. I guess I do that more often now that I'm getting older. I'm not sure why, uh, but it's um, it, it was. I was reminded of how important the the uh, belief system that you have, and not to be thinking about. Even though we're this is a show about money. And we certainly want to be great stewards of the money that God has and the resources God has put in our path to make sure that we are good stewards of that and do the right things with that, helping people with it, taking care of our families, doing the things that we should do. And all that's all that's important. And we talk about that every single week. But this this holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, I just wanted to share a few thoughts with you because I don't want any of my Talking Money listeners to ever miss this all-important truth. And I, I think um, it's well read, well said in a book that Andy Stanley wrote several years ago. It's really more of a booklet, and I don't remember what year he wrote it. it looks like, uh, look at the front cover, 2003, maybe in the first one, but it's timeless information. And I wanted to share just a few thoughts in this first segment about some of the things that he said in this book that I think are very important for our lives in general, uh, because it doesn't make any difference how good your you take care of your money how uh, much money you make, uh, what your status is in life. If these things aren't uh, a part of your life, then the rest of it doesn't matter. In his book, uh, in the first uh, chapter, I think it is, he tells a story of his wife, uh, Sandra, who wanted to go visit her grandmother. And her grandmother was 90 at the time. 
And she grew up uh, in a local church, and uh, until her health really got bad, she she rarely missed a Sunday. So she was one of those kind that is very very faithful in her local church, and certainly she was good by anybody's standard according to what they knew of her. So she went to visit her. She just burdened to go see her because she she'd never asked her about God or heaven or anything like that, and she wanted to ask her that those questions as she was aging. So she got to her house and she said to Grandma. We've never talked about heaven before. Are you sure that when you die, you will go to heaven? And this is a 90-year-old lady she's asking this question to. Her grandmother, Helen, got big tears in her eyes and responded the way the average good person responds to that question. She said, I hope so, honey. I hope so. 90 years of good living, standing by her dying husband till the end, serving her community, loving her grandchildren, paying her taxes, important, driving the speed limit. I missed that one. And she hopes she goes to heaven. She hopes she goes to heaven. So if Helen can't go to sleep at night with a piece of knowing that things between her and her creator are good, I'm not sure who can. If Helen ain't sure, can't nobody be sure, he says. So why is it that even the really good people at best hope so? I'll tell you why. Because nobody can tell you how good you have to be to go to heaven nobody. So back in the earlier part, he opens up the book just saying smart, educated, accomplished men and women from just about every nation on earth are banking their eternities on a theory that doesn't hold up under even the slightest scrutiny. He says, every now and then again, we are confronted with our mortality. When that happens, we mentally take hold of something that gives us assurance. For most on this spinning ball of minerals and dirt, assurance is found in an assumption they have never tested. So what is this internationally held assumption? Here it is. Good people go to heaven. Sounds like a good assumption, doesn't it? All right, later in the book, he says, well, think about it. Here's something to think about. If God appeared to you and asked, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer? If you're like most people, your answer might run something along these lines. I've always tried to. I never. I do my best. And whether I'm talking to Muslims, Hindus, or Christians, the majority of the answers I receive to that question go back to an individual's attempt to live a good life. Why? Because most people believe that good people go to heaven. Then it goes on later. You see, as good as you are, you are pretty good. You really aren't, you aren't really sure if you have been good enough. You hope so. And you are certainly better than, well, than certain people you know. But how good is good enough? That's the title of this book he wrote. How good is good enough? And then he says, well, just who's in charge of this operation? God? He said, well, you ought to have been more clear about how this whole thing works, he says. And then he tells a story about his, his wife's uh, grandmother that went to, to see her and ask her that question. And then later in the book, he talks about untested assumptions. He says, if there's a good God, and if he dwells in a good place, then it makes sense that God would fill heaven with good people. If heaven were full of bad people, it wouldn't be heaven. A good God in a good place sounds like the ideal destination for good people. Interesting thoughts he has. Then later, a couple chapters or so later, he says things change. Another problem with trusting in our internal sense of right and wrong to act as a divine compass is that our perception of right and wrong changes as time passes. Have you noticed that? When I was dog, what I was dogmatic about in my 20s doesn't seem to matter as much in my 40s. I ran into a friend from high school, Katie, whom I hadn't seen in 20 years. Last time our paths crossed, she was moving up north to live with her boyfriend. Seemed the right thing to do at the time. 
20 years later, Katie looked at me with tears in her eyes and said it was the biggest mistake of her life. She even used the S word. She said that her decision was a sin. Katie is determined to instill a different value system in her 14-year-old daughter. Have you noticed that as times change and it seems like the more society thinks something is okay, uh, we start to think, okay, well, it's not so bad. Everybody else thinks it's okay. Uh, You know, the Bible and God say something different many times. And then he talks about what's the alternative. So there's an alternative to the good people go view. This is the view I hold along with almost one third of the world's population. According to this view, forgiven people go to heaven. And forgiveness is made possible by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. All right, and a few pages later, I'm just hitting the highlights of this, and I hope I'm encouraging you to to get a copy of this book. It's not very expensive. And and if you don't need this book, um, I would encourage you to to read it anyway, because there's probably somebody in your life you know that should be reading it. So he talks about uh, uh, the being good, how you know it's good. He says, I think I'm a pretty good guy. But if it is against God's law to covet, I'm in trouble. One of my best friends drives a BMW R5 with a touring package to die for, and I want it. I haven't told him that, but in my heart, I covet it. When it comes to coveting, I'm guilty every day. But I never knew I was guilty until I knew God required me to be content with what I have. Then later, toward the end of the book, he says, Christianity teaches that when men sinned, God opted for forgiveness rather than fairness. He opted for grace and mercy rather than justice. What he offers you is more than fair. The reason good people don't go to heaven is that there aren't any good people. There are only sinners. Granted, some aren't, some aren't quite as bad as others. The Bible goes on to say, but God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Then the oft-quoted, and most of you have, have memorized this verse, toward the end of the book, he says, he quotes the, the John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So anyway, there's a few encouraging words for this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. I've never uh, spent that long on a Talking Money episode about this, but I just felt a burden to do that today. And I encourage you to go get the book, How Good is Good Enough?, by Andy Stanley for yourself or for a family member or friends. It's a, it only takes a, a couple hours to read at most, uh, but it's packed full of, of real good information and logical, uh, but also very scriptural that I think is, is very important. All right, so we'll get back to the, the mundane things of money uh, when we come back, talk about the what's happened to the market so far and some things to consider when you're looking at um, your own portfolio and as we get toward the end of the year. Some things to consider with that too, but we'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. 
Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Welcome back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. Get close to the end of the year. Maybe you got a question about uh, some particular thing, uh, investment or other tax thing that you're uh, curious about. Wonder what you might uh, want to do with that particular item. I'm here to help and try to help that. Of course, if you got a question you don't want to get on the air, you can send me that email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So a lot of questions I had before the election. People were concerned what's going to happen. I'm afraid that if Biden gets elected, which, of course, looks like that's what's going to happen, that the market is going to just tank. Uh, and I need to be on the sidelines and waiting. I know a lot of people are waiting on the sidelines. And if you recall, my advice back then was you you can't really predict that. You can't really, and there's really no precedence to say that if a Democrat gets into president, even someone as, as liberal as as Joe Biden, or even more so uh, Kamala Harris, that that there's necessarily going to be a a big drastic move in the markets. Uh, well, diversification is is still your best bet, and making sure that you don't have enough money, uh, you have enough money in something that's not in the stock market, so that your immediate needs, let's say for the next year or two, and if you want to predict for the next presidential. Uh, term say for the next four years you've got enough money just in cash it doesn't matter what the stock market does because historically it certainly has has come back when it's uh, gone through some difficult times so i pulled out an old article that i that actually printed back in 2017 so i i keep some of these things because i like to keep a perspective on things and the the article was entitled dow 24,000 and the trump boom it was uh, written by Maria Bartiroma, and she's now with Fox News, I believe. She switched uh, from CNBC and a regular contributor there. So she starts this article. This is December 14th. This is about a year after, not quite a year from the time President Trump took office. She says, I'm not in the habit of giving stock tips or making market calls. I've never claimed to be an investment strategist. But after spending years reporting on business and finance, I was convinced on the night of November 8th, 2016, that the conventional market wisdom was way off target. As the night wore on and equity traders began to grasp that Donald Trump would become president, stock markets around the world started selling off. In the U.S., trading in the S&P 500 futures would eventually be halted after a 5% decline. After midnight, Paul Krugman of the New York Times opined, if the question is when markets will recover? A first past answer is never. <laughs> How's that for a prediction? I didn't see it that way, she says. For years, I've been hearing anguished people at companies large and small bemoan the growing federal burden of taxes and regulation. Now the U.S. would have a president who intended to reduce this burden and prioritize economic growth. She says it's not just an American growth story. For the first time in a long time, the world has experienced synchronized growth, which is why Goldman Sachs and Barclays, among others, have recently predicted 4% global growth in 2018. The entire world benefits when its largest economy is healthy and the vibrancy overseas is reinforcing the U.S. resurgence. She goes on to talk about some positive things that, that President Trump is doing. All right, so, so where have we come since 2017? This is just almost 2021. And this was the end of 2017. 
So the Dow closed yesterday at 30,218 and change. Who would have thought we would have bunked, or as they say in the South, who would have thunk that uh, we would have gotten that far, thirty over 30,000 in the Dow. Now, you got to keep in mind that it's just 30 companies. People forget that. We think of the stock market, the Dow Jones, because that is what is, is talked about most uh, on the news programs, the Dow Jones. The S&P 500 comes up second, but the Dow Jones is what most people look at for the numbers. And we think 24,000 going to 30,000 in just a few years. I mean, that, and that's with a, a big pullback that we had back earlier this year when the pandemic was in its early throes of, of messing up the country and, uh, and still has its, its uh, nasty hold on us more than it should, I think, but it's, it's the way it is. So, of course, we need to be safe. I'm not saying that, but um, I think I'm glad, so glad our governor is not shutting things down again. We need to get through this, and we don't need to make things worse by shutting down the country and having a pandemic, because obviously things uh, can continue to get worse even when people wear those um, supposedly safety masks uh, that everybody thinks is the cure-all, and there's a lot of controversy about that as well. But we've we've gone through that. So people that were all concerned uh, up to and you radio listeners that might have been concerned up until the election well that hasn't happened november was one of the best months we, i don't know maybe we've ever had it's a, it's a really good strong month of november which means december is probably not going to be that way it's rare to have back-to-back months like that but you know who knows we don't know that and as the as the virus and as the uh, prescriptions and as the antidotes come in and the the way you try to get your um the same way you do your flu shots and you're trying to get uh, all you can get to as these protections come out well okay uh, that that could still make the market go up when when you have those things uh, come out but i i'm also reminded and this is important to to remember i think and, and here again years ago it was uh, michael roth who was then president of the usaa investment management company he had a great quote, and I don't have the date even on this, but it still applies to today. I think it's very, very important. He says, they they think people like us who work in the investment business know the secret. It's as though we sneak into the office late at night, unlock the drawer, open up the box, and read the secret again. But in reality, there is none. Logically, there cannot be one. Say there were, and someone figured it out. Then everyone would say, he knows what it is. Therefore, I'll do what he does. Now, when the person with the secret wants to buy, who is willing to sell? No one. The market just stopped working. Instead of searching for the secret, you need to choose some basic investment strategies and rely on them regardless of what's going on in the government or the economy at any point in time, as Roth emphasizes. And in those same comments, uh, we've got some recent uh, newsletters and blogs put out by the investment strategy group at Ronald Blue Trust that say almost that same thing. You've got to you've got to have a plan that no matter what is going on with the government at the time, you're going to keep that plan. Now, that, does that mean you don't change it based on things that are going on with the government? Oh, absolutely not. You do. So later in this article, he talks about managing risks. He says, recognize the risk inherent in every investment and decide if you're comfortable with it because you must accept some kind of risk in the pursuit of any reward. One of the interesting paradoxes of this country, Roth continues, is how many people want rewards but don't want to take risks. They're afraid of a free market. They want a sure thing. When it comes to investments, there is no sure thing. In any investment, there's risk. And he says later on, risk is not a technical issue. It's an emotional issue. 
What's going to happen if you wake up one morning and see your portfolio down 5% or even 10%? Will it be a gut-wrenching experience? Then you need a different configuration of investments. And I've said this many times on Talking Money. If your pain threshold is when your, your account goes down 5, 10, 15, 20, and then you're going to sell after it goes down that far, then you need a different configuration. You need some different kind of investment. You need less in that investment because it's obviously making you uncomfortable. And then you you ruin your investment plan and your long-term plan when you sell after things go down. What, whatever amount it is, it goes down. You're better off not having it in there and keeping the the part that is long-term money, keep it aside and say, right, that's my 10, my 20-year bucket. That's not my one or two-year bucket. And I'm confident things will will come back. So we want to talk a lot more about these kinds of things. I've got some information from the Ronald Blue Trust Investment Strategy Group talking about looking ahead to a post-election world. And then our most recent uh, newsletter, Wisdom for Wealth for Life, has some great information in that I want to share with you as well. But we'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Welcome back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. And we have uh, Jim from Easley calling us this morning with a question. Good morning, Jim. Welcome to Talking Money. Hey, good morning. I have a mutual fund and okay. municipal bonds. Okay. Those are the ones that are tax-free. Right. And I got a perspective in the mail, and I was looking uh, through it, and I discovered that 10% of the funds is in Puerto Rican bonds. Mm. And Puerto Rico is in trouble, isn't it? I was wondering if I should get rid of the fund. Well, I think this is one of those kind of things. Of course, it depends on the, the specific bond. But one of the reasons you buy a mutual fund is that you are uh, uh, hiring a professional manager who's supposed to do the due diligence on a particular fund to make sure – a particular bond before they buy that bond and or even a stock and put it into that mutual fund. So the bigger question is how is that fund overall performing versus other municipal bond funds? And if it's competitive, then it's probably uh, something that they've they've done well researching. And and if they are bad, at least it's only going to affect ten percent of the total 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 portfolio. And hopefully they won't just go away. But yeah, Puerto Rico has been having some difficult times, but they are star, still part of 
of the U.S. and uh, have some some backing there that would should prevent it from at least going away. Whether or not it might affect the the yields or not. How long have you had this uh, municipal bond fund, uh, Jim? Oh, gee, years, maybe five years. Okay, has it performed well for you? Um, yes. I mean, for a municipal bond fund, I mean, obviously the yield's not supposed to be as high, but some of those have performed uh, very well. So I think I would look more. Have you have you noticed whether or not the the allocation to Puerto Rican bonds is a new allocation, or do you just have, haven't noticed it before? No, I haven't noticed it before. I didn't look at all the paperwork. There's two pages of them, yeah. and the percent are, um, is as high as 10. But um, so the overall performance for this year was down uh, 5.7%. Maybe the pandemic has something to do with it, but still, um, it doesn't look good to me. Okay, so the portfolio is down 5.7% for this calendar year so far, you mean, just from year to date, from January till when? Um, well, I'm not sure of those details, but... Okay. Well, and that's important, and, I, and what one good thing to check would be to, to go ahead and look up uh, even on Morningstar or some other resource and look to see what other municipal bond funds have been doing. Have they been performing? Are they down like this? And you could even look at, at uh, just about any mutual fund. You can look at their prospectus and find out what kind of percentage they might have in Puerto Rican bonds because it could be it's a fairly common thing that a lot of municipal bond funds have some Puerto Rican bonds in them. So it may not be the Puerto Rican bonds that is causing the drawdown or causing the the downturn in that um but and i don't have i have not looked at those recently to see how that might compare but i I will this week just to see how that compares but it's really important to know the exact same timetable because you can't compare apples and apples unless you're looking at the exact same timetable because even a few days municipal bonds maybe not as much but certainly a week or two can make a, a big difference in performance so you want to make sure you you when you're comparing mutual funds, you compare the exact same time periods. And then the other question for you would be, uh, or the comment would be, um, it down five point seven percent. If it's a if if it's giving you a good long term performance, is this the time to buy more of it while it's having little struggles? And that is that going to help you next year have an even better return because you bought some of the discount? That'd be another thing to to look at. Hey, well, I found the page that. Um, says all that stuff. It's from February 29 to 831 of this year. It's down uh, 5.7%. Okay, so 229, which is well, this is the one in what, every five years we're going to have that 229 date. So the end of February to the end of August is what they're saying. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. I'll look this week and, and uh, do some comparison uh, for you as well and see if you want to uh, send me offline and just send me an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and send me the name of that fund i'll i'll be able to look at it specifically and maybe be able to give you some thoughts either just uh, directly to you uh, by a return email or i'll uh, i'll mention it some next week when we come back for uh, next week's show okay thank you very much all right thanks for the call jim all right so i'm looking at a uh, november 19th piece put out by the investment strategy group at uh, ronald blue trust and great group of people down there and uh, meet with them often. Actually met with um, uh, Julie Swanger, one of our ISG groups with a client of ours past Monday, looking at some new portfolios as he uh, gets to close to retirement next year and has some substantial uh, assets that will be added to it and looking at some private placements 
and just reviewing that with the client and and having Julie help uh, back that up. Uh, it's just nice to have a team like that that's always looking at the investments. It helps us be able to focus more on the financial planning side. But one of the things that they said in this uh, commentary was coming into November, and I kind of referred to this earlier this year, but coming into November, many investors were fearful of a potential market sell-off following the election, particularly if Democrats won handily or if there was a controversy around the results. Of course, we still have some of that. It appears markets liked the prospect of a divided Congress which would limit the ability for extreme change in either direction. And I've seen several studies about that that have really have shown that the market specifically likes a Democratic president or a Democratic um, president and a not democratically controlled Congress. So we still are praying that the Senate stays Republican with those races in Georgia and that would keep the anybody from doing anything. So there's gridlock. So the, the, apparently the... The economy and the markets do like that gridlock. So it says, given that we view both the recent vaccine developments and lower potential for vast political change as positives for future growth, we would have seen a market sell-off as a potential buying opportunity. So here, even if it, it had gone down initially, uh, we were not looking at that as a long-term significant downturn. It was would have been a buying opportunity. And it goes on, however, since equities rallied, the outlook has mostly remained the same for the broader markets. Therefore, we will continue to look for areas within each market that gives us that give us the greatest combination of growth potential and reasonable prices while also staying diversified. And that is always em emphasized. Uh, the, in, the, in the article, we believe the greatest lesson we can take from these election results is the danger of trying to predict short-term outcomes, something I talk about over and over again on Talking Money. Like in 2016, many experts were incorrect, both with how the elections played out and how the markets responded. A diversified portfolio can help insulate you from the impact of an outcome you weren't expecting. Additionally, we should always expect uncertainty in markets. I double underlined that. Always expect uncertainty. That's the part of the reason why you have longer-term better returns in the market is because you have that uncertainty and you have that volatility. You get rewarded for that long-term, not short-term usually. In the short-term, anything can happen, and you should pr protect short-term assets from this ambiguity. However, long-term investors should not fear volatility, but instead focus on the long-term return potential of equities, which is, uh, which is great advice. Okay, we have just a couple minutes for the break. We got Wayne calling us from Greenwood. Let's uh, get Wayne in here before our last break. Good morning, Wayne. Welcome to Talking Money. Good morning. I want to answer Jim's question. Okay. Not calling to ask you anything. Okay. <laughs> I have an individual Puerto Rico bond. Oh, I've you had do? it for years. Okay. Uh, it's listed on my most recent monthly statement. It's slightly above par, and that is because it is insured. So what Jim needs to do is inquire of the mutual fund company as to the Puerto Rican part of the portfolio what percentage of those bonds are insured and what percentage are uninsured? If they're all insured, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's good advice. Appreciate you checking on that. And when he sends me the, the name of it, I can check that out uh, for him. But yeah, that's an important factor that I did not mention, just the insurance part. But it's uh, municipal bonds typically have uh, not necessarily insurance, but they have the, the backing of the government, which can have the backing of the U.S. government, which can also give it some 
additional safety that you might not have with a regular and don't have typically with a corporate bond fund. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, so yours yours is trading now above par, which means it's above par, if you sold it, you would have a profit in it from depending on what you paid for it. If you paid par for it, you could actually sell it and it'd be, yeah, it'd be so a profit. I paid 15000 for it and it's $15,092 on the last statement. All right. Not much of a not much of one, but if that's a any any positive is a is a good thing, right? All right, Wayne. Well, thanks for the call and thanks for uh, that good reminder. Have a great weekend. Okay. You Bye. take care. Good to hear from you. As always, Wayne from Greenwood, my favorite tax preparer down in Greenwood. Got one text here sitting. I'll read that during the break and uh, answer that when we get back in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now, back to Talking Money. And welcome back to the last segment here of Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host. Got a text we want to read to you. Last March, when the market declined due to COVID-19, I purchased Chevron, Disney, and Wells Fargo. My total investment was 18000 Of course, Disney and Chevron have rebounded significantly. With the Biden administration coming, when should I sell? Or rather, what will the effect of his policies be on the individual sectors of entertainment, energy, and banking? So first off, I'll, I'll remind you that I am not the, the detailed investment guy. That's why we have the investment strategy team down in Atlanta that looks at these things specifically all the time. But of course, in designing portfolios and helping design portfolios, this is these are important questions. And I, I think... One of the things that we all need to remember, something I referred to early in the program today, and, and a lot depends on whether or not the Senate maintains a Republican majority. So if we win at least one of the seats in Georgia, then we've got a Republican majority. And I think that uh, that most of the effects of what Biden would like to do, and, and maybe more so what uh, Kamala may be trying to get him to do, uh, vice, the vice president-elect, potentially vice president-elect, uh, is not going to be as easy to get done if, if to be able to done it all because of, of gridlock. And as long as we, and, and there's a, you know, a very thin uh, majority in the House now, so there's, there's less likely of a chance for policy changes to be made. And policy changes is what long-term is going to have the effect on some of these uh sectors but logically you would think entertainment if uh, president if a president biden uh did what he says he'd like to do and essentially shut everything down and because the american people are fearful more than they are um wanting to be out and about and so forth which i totally disagree with um 
and I've, I've said this to several people that say that after Biden said that and the the one debate where when President Trump was talking about Americans need to get out and start doing things again and Biden came back with uh, the Americans want to be want to be safe well if that were the case then we would lower all the speed limits to no more than let's say 50 mile an hour even on the in the on the uh, interstates uh, we would do away with all uh, ban all smoking ban all alcohol we would ban every I and mean, if you're really talking about i want to be safe if that's your goal as opposed to no i want to be controlling which is where that really is and i'm getting off a little tangent there but so anyway keep those in mind so if he really tried to shut down the economy of course entertainment industry even disney is going to be affected by that and looking at the year-to-date numbers for disney it looks like it's just a little bit ahead of where it was in january that re- rebounded tremendously from where it was at the end of uh at the end of march so that um that is uh, really true um and then the uh, energy sector, which he's already talked about uh, trying to uh, do away with fossil fuels over some period of time. Certainly that's got to affect the energy sector, which could also affect a lot of other things because if you get rid of fossil fuels and bring in a very expensive uh, alternative type energy, um, renewable type energy that um, is not as efficient and, and probably can't keep up with, with um, the demands that we have, which uh, I read an article this week in the journal that talked about California and talked about how the governor out there, they've already had to you know, stop using their air conditioners and stop doing things because the the amount of, of resources they have to provide the electricity have been very compromised out in California. But in 10 years or something, they want to go to all electric cars. Like, okay, where's electricity? Like there's a disconnect there's the, how can you have people all plugging their cars in when we can't even i guess you're, you're gonna have a choice you're gonna run your air conditioner or you're gonna run your car which do you want to do it does absolutely makes no sense uh banking uh, i'm not sure how those policies might affect that probably less likely that they would affect the banking industry depending on which way interest rates go and things like that but so it's it's a matter of of um looking at the individual companies. So my bottom line recommendation here, look at the individual companies and see how they look like they can perform in in spite of what might be happening. And, and I go back to where using index funds, ETFs, or managed accounts, if you're using a, a money manager, that uh, that's an excellent way. You, you let them, they spend full time doing this. Yes, you pay them a fee to do that, but if you find the right ones or you just use the indexes, most people are better off uh, doing that. So anyway, that's, I hope that gives you some kind of answer for uh, that question that I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it's, it's not going to be Biden's policies or Kamala Harris's policies that get enacted because we're going to have uh, some checks and balances there that we've always had to do that. And then within a couple of years, of course, we can always change that as we have a midterm election. And then some other positive notes here, Garrett Alexander wrote some, he was talking about the weather up in Washington where he lives. And I've quoted Gary Alexander many times before, and he's one of these guys that back, uh, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago was one of those always pessimistic kind of reporters that's, um, uh, he's been was proven wrong so many times. He's not that way anymore. He's more positive than he is negative uh, most of the time. And he says in his article in this past uh, Monday or Tuesday that uh, he said he, he talks about the Seattle's rain and and so forth. He talks about the some weather myths. The Seattle's rainfall is about average for the nation. <laughs> That's a myth. And he says another myth. It's darkest right before dawn. 
He says, nope, I get up well before dawn and I see gray threads of light long before dawn versus the inky black of midnight. He says, this is a long way of telling you the stock market has all but shouted that the nightmare of 2020 is almost over. The major forward-looking indexes delivered all-time highs the morning after Turkey Day, which I would say is Thanksgiving. I don't like it when people say Turkey Day as opposed to Thanksgiving. I think it's a time for Thanksgiving, not just eating turkey. Be thankful that you have the turkey to eat. Uh, and then later on, he says he had four examples uh, of things that have happened that look like some dark days. And I'll just share one of them. Uh, he says, on Monday evening, December 2nd, 1974, President Ford addressed the nation in a televised speech, which sounded the alarm for three major economic crises at once. Inflation, recession, and the oil shortage, a.k.a. the energy crisis. Now, I remember this back then because uh, I had a little core of air and it was hard to get gas for that. I was driving back and forth to help a church out in Newberry uh, nearly every Sunday. And it was by faith many times that I would take off down there to, to help them out. So they says the week of December 2nd through 6th, right after he made the speech, uh, brought the market's absolute low of the last 58 years, reaching Dow 577 on Friday, December 6th, a 6.64% drop in one week. But the next 25 years, the Dow gained 20-fold to 11,500 in December 1999. During the phenomenal bull market surge of 94 to 99 when the Dow tripled, I have my choice of crisis in nearly every year. There was a market scare in late in the late months each year. On December 6, 1994, Orange County, California declared Chapter 9 bankruptcy, the biggest bankruptcy filing by a municipality. That came on top of a Mexico peso crisis. December 5th, 96 was the date of Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan's notorious irrational exuberance speech. Late 97 was the Asian currency crisis. Late 98 was the Russian ruble and hedge fund crisis, followed by the Y2K scare in 1999, and the list goes on. To keep this date, keep with this date in history, on Monday, December 1st, 97, we began to emerge from the scary Asian currency crisis as the Dow gained 190 points from 78.23. Now, doesn't it sound funny to even talk about the Dow at 7,823? Now we're at 30,000. The next day, December 2nd, Fed Chair Alan Greenspan reversed the tone of his previous year's irrational exuberant speech and issued an upbeat report on the Asian financial crisis in which he said the Asian flu, which he called the crisis, would gradually abate and the Asian economies would be stronger for their suffering. And they were. The Dow gained 326 points in the week of December 1 through 5. For the week, the Dow gained 326, 4.17% to 81.49%. These dark days will recover too, as sure as the days will grow longer. The stock market has predicted it. So you always got to hedge this. This is one guy's opinion. And who knows what's really going to happen over the next uh, year, the next months. Uh, typically, the market does perform positively in, in most years. So it's, it's a, a pretty good safe bet that that's going to happen. Well, we also had published this week the the uh, year-end 2020 Wisdom for Wealth for Life quarterly newsletter uh, put out by Ronald Blue Trust. We send this to our clients. We send this to people who are on our newsletter list. If you want to get this and then sign up for the newsletter, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com or send me the email at Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com and we will get you on that on our newsletter list, which includes things like this from Ronald Blue Trust, uh, our sponsor, and, of course, who I work with now. 
and I think that's uh, valuable. And uh, I'm going to continue some of this uh, market information next week because I got a lot more stuff to to talk about uh, planning in this election year and things that that we can help with this. I also want to read a a letter that was put out by uh, our CEO Nick Stone Street. He has a holiday message, and I've only got a little over a minute, and it would take me longer to read this message. It's very good. So I'll read that to us next week. Uh, Nick, who's been on the show with me a number of times, even before we started with the Ronald Blue Trust March uh, a year ago. So we're coming up on our two-year anniversary with them already. And it's been a great uh, partnership and uh, for our clients and, and, of course, for our team. So I want to read his letter to you. I think it's a very encouraging letter as well as some of the other information that's on the newsletter that I think would be helpful as we think about our investments coming up to uh, the year end. Uh, but there again, if you got a question for me, if you want to just uh, talk about whether or not we might be a good fit for you, our phone number at the office, 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. You feel free to give me a call if you want to call even during the um, week, during the weekend, and leave me a message. That'd be fine as well. But look forward to speaking with you. And look forward to having you back again for the next week for Talking Money. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.